All right. So thank you both so much for joining me. I'm really excited to have you here today and learn more about you and your businesses and your careers. Uh, I wanted to start out and we'll start out with you, Laura. Just um, tell me about your connection to this community, how long you've lived in the community and what you think is great about the community. Um, well, we just celebrated our four-year anniversary of living here in Central Park. Um, we closed on our house on May, on March 27th, so actually like a month over. Um, we moved here from New York City. We lived in Manhattan, and um, I love Denver. I love Central Park community. I love the schools my kids are in. I love 95% of the people I've met here. There's always the prickly ones, but most people are absolutely wonderful, super helpful, supportive. And um, it's just great because I uh, there's like an age group cohort for every mom, right? We have the young moms, we have the middle-aged mom, we have the older moms. And so, and they all have young children. So you kind of can find your tribe pretty easily here um, and then the business owners the female business owners especially um, within Central Park have been just a really great network of women uh, reaching out from all different sectors to connect and to refer and to mentor and it's just been lovely. Okay, Molly, how, about, how about you Molly? Yeah, I've been a Central Park resident and a business owner for 12 years, same amount of time. Um, and when I first started my photography business, um, you know, it was very isolating. So to kind of echo what Laura was saying about the community of especially women business owners, it's really been incredible. I mean, there are, I think... Denver generally has a really high entrepreneurial rate, but just having our little community here of, you know, wide spectrum of business owners, it's been really incredible. So from that standpoint, it's great. And then of course the community has so many activities outdoor wise for our family to enjoy um, and restaurants and the schools and everything. So I like it because it does feel a little small townish, which can be good and bad, um, but you really get to know a lot of people very quickly. Having moved here from another part of the country, it's been um, very opening, very welcoming. There's a lot of transplants here, so people that are eager to meet new people and kind of welcome them in. So that's, those are probably my top reasons that it's a great community. Wonderful. And I'm so glad to have you all as neighbors and be a part of this community. We've been in this community for three years now and just love it. And our kids love it as well. Um, I am fascinated by, as I age, the windingness of careers and the different ways that you go. And I always preach to my students that that's a really good thing. And you learn so much from new experiences and in, in new careers and um, in so many different ways. I know both of you have backgrounds before you got into your current photography businesses. Um, Laura, can you tell us your background, what um, kind of what you did before you got into this? Yeah, uh, the my windy road is about as windy as those tentacles behind your head. <laughs> um, if you told me 20 years ago that I would be a full-time professional photographer when you're when I'm 42, I would have laughed at you um, because that wasn't even on my radar. But um, I was always a creative person. I was gifted in 
arts when I was in elementary school and high school. And so, um, but I was always guided to go for the job that where you could make the money and do art on the side. And that was very strongly encouraged in my household. And so I ended up going to school um, at Penn State and I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And I studied elementary and kindergarten education. Um, I never actually taught after college. I did a full year student teaching internship in fifth grade. I wanted to teach kindergarten. <laughs> so teaching fifth grade is a lot different than teaching kids how to be kind, good citizens of you know the classroom. Um, so after college, I was really concerned because I thought, oh no, I, what am I gonna do with an education degree and not teach? And I did some networking and found out that pharmaceutical companies love teachers to be pharmaceutical reps. And so I was like, okay, well, that's it. I'm gonna be a pharmaceutical rep. And it didn't realize how hard it was to find that job. But anyway, I got hired by Merck as a pharmaceutical rep right out of college. And so I went to training and I did that for three years and the industry changed a lot during those three years um, to the point where I felt like I really couldn't adequately do my job what they were paying me to do, it just was not possible. Um, and so I started looking at business school and for grad school. And I was actually um, enrolled in a GMAT class to take my prep course. And I really did not feel any bit of excitement about it. And so I called Kaplan and I said, hey, can I switch that to an LSAT class? At, Cause I may, maybe wanna go to law school. Let me see how I do on the test. So I took the LSAT and I did well and I got into law school. And so I went to law school, which is three years. So I was 20, it was 25 to 28. Um, I got out of law school and I moved to Florida. I went to Pitt for law school. Um, I moved to Florida and I started practicing and I practiced for seven years. So a couple of years in Florida, then I moved to Arizona after I met my husband and practiced there for a couple of years. And I stopped practicing when I had my daughter, my oldest, who's now eight. Um, and so I was a mom, a full-time mom, which was a huge change for me, a giant adjustment to anybody who's not a mom. It's not easy. Uh, it's much harder than any job I ever had. Um, and then we moved to New York City and I had my second daughter there and I was trying to get back into the workforce, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do because I wasn't licensed to practice in New York City, in New York, the state of New York. And I was interviewing for some in-house counsel stuff or some um, like claims management stuff and I just didn't feel good about it and so my husband was super supportive and and during that time I had when I had my daughter I looked into hiring a photographer in New York City and I, I was not ready to make that investment because it's not cheap to live in the city and you know you have to get some luxuries and so like I, I do with everything I want to do, I was like, well, I'll just teach myself how to do it. So I took some online courses and learned how to use this camera I had. I had a, um, a Nikon D7000, which is like a DSLR camera, but it's not a professional one, but it's a great camera. Um, so I only knew how to turn it on and shoot in auto mode. I, I didn't even know how to take the lens off my camera at that time. I was afraid to do that. I was afraid to break something. So in learning all how to use the camera in manual, which was really a hard concept at first to how these things all interact with each other. But once it clicks, it's like, oh yeah, I got it. So um, I started taking pictures of my friend's kids and when they were pregnant and I really loved it. And my husband said, why don't you just start charging people to take pictures? And I said, nobody's gonna pay me. And he said, well, nobody's paying you now. So what's, what do you have to lose? I'm like, <laughs> good point. Um, and so um, 
I lucked out and got a client. It was Memorial Day weekend. I got a client overnight. Basically, I launched my business. I wrote a contract. I made a web page. I did it all. I stayed up all night. And from there, it was just referral based. And um, I've been a photographer ever since. And um, but as Molly will definitely um, tell you, she'll confirm this. Um, you're not just a photographer. When you're running a business, you are the chief marketing officer. You're the accountant. You're the chief executive officer. You're the chief technology officer. You're the administrative assistant. You are everything unless you hire people to help you, um, which I did hire a bookkeeper, which made my life so much more enjoyable. Um, so it's this has definitely been the most exciting um, position for me because it is what I make of it. And, um, and I get to use my creative talents and I'm showing all those people who said, you can't make money being creative that yes, you can. Laura, I love that story. I knew of course that you were a lawyer beforehand and you went to school for, um, education, but it has been a windy road for you for sure. And, you know, I think that's what I've learned with my business too, is that you can never be too old to start something or to learn something. And, you know, I know there's, you know, when you're raising kids and you want to sort of like have a path for them, you know, just like my parents did, but definitely anything artistic that wasn't really in the realm of possibility. And I actually wasn't even naturally gifted the way you are, Laura, with um, photography or artwork or anything like that. And I really didn't find photography until probably, oh, probably 15 years or so ago. I was working in um, the business field of medical publishing and I was in sales and um, was looking to go back to school um, for to get my MBA. And it was a very intense one-year MBA program. And I wanted to do something creative. So on the side, I took a photography course. And that's sort of what started this. And um, shortly after I had my first son and sort of going back into the corporate world just didn't make sense for our family between my husband's job. And, um, you know, so similarly to Laura, I started photographing my child a ton, but then also friends. And um, luckily, my spouse has been super supportive. And he also was the one to say, you know, why don't you start doing this as a business? And that's kind of how that was born. So I started officially 12 years ago, right around the same time we moved to Central Park, we moved from Dallas. And before that, we were in St. Louis. So um, there was a lot going on. I had a one-year-old starting the business, new to Central Park, then Stapleton, and just sort of started taking neighbors would hire me. And, you know, with Facebook groups, that sort of um, word spread. And uh, I remember probably after a couple of months, I received my very first Google client who just found me from my website on Google. I just thought that was like the biggest deal. She still is a client to this day. And I'll be so, I'm so appreciative of her trust in me because my website certainly wasn't the best or the flashiest or anything, but she trusted me. And also back then I probably had a great entry price point for her family. And um, she stuck with me this whole way. And it's just, it goes to show you that if you put yourself out there 
and just do what you're passionate about, good things will come. Because I never really had that passion for what I was doing work-wise. And it just feels so right for me and also for my family and just the flexibility of having my own business. Of course, like what Laura said, there's definitely some downfalls and wearing so many hats that it can be super stressful and overwhelming, but having the control over my schedule and really just being my own boss and taking on work that excites me and saying no to other things that doesn't bring me excitement or joy is um, really fulfills me for sure. Yeah, I loved how I loved how Molly said that because I wrote here as you sent the you know just the overview of questions. It, I said your career path choice is not set in stone, and um, I think if you approach life that way and you just try to build up a general skill set of most important is people skills because people buy from people they like, right? So photographers are. I mean, there's a couple of baskets of photographers, right? There's the ones who do it for the major magazines, the Andy Leibowitzes, right? I'm never gonna be that. I don't wanna do that. I don't want that stress of a big production like that. It's not something I'd want, right? And then there are the, the, the people who dabble, right? The people who don't really run a business, but who do photos for people sometimes. And you know they, they don't charge commensurate with the actual amount of work it takes to like pull off a, a photo session. And then there's us, right? And I mean, everybody has a little bit of a different style. Some people do darker stuff. Some people do lighter stuff. I think Molly and I have a pretty similar or vibrant kind of style. So when you're looking and a person who doesn't know the technical aspects of photography, they're not gonna see those little minute details between Molly's pictures and my pictures, right? But they're gonna connect with us, right? And some people might, I love Molly. She's absolutely delightful and I refer people to her all the time. Um, they're going to buy from people they like, right? They're going to want to spend time. And as a photographer, you have to really be able to disarm people and make them feel comfortable because not many people are comfortable in front of the camera. Even me, I don't like to be on the other side of the lens. So it's those soft skills that if people can develop those throughout every job they do, um, those are going to pay off the most because you can always learn the technical skills, but you can't really just pick up um, how to, make good connections with people and how to get referrals because of your personality. You just, you can't create that out of thin air. And so I think um, my advice is don't worry about how straight your path is. Um, just worry about what you're gaining from each, each thing you try. Absolutely, Laura. And that is, you're so spot on that anybody really can learn photography. I mean, cameras are not inexpensive. But Nikon and Canon both make great entry-level cameras. There's a wide variety of prices for lenses, but YouTube is such a great resource. And there's plenty of photographers that have mentorships that are available. And when I first was getting started, I actually hired our family photographer and I sort of did a little mentorship program with her just to kind of learn the ins and outs of more of the business side of photography and photo labs and all of that. Um, but to your point, Laura, having those soft skills and, you know, being able to really just listen to people and to also get along with people because we're working with all sorts of different personalities, all sorts of ages. 
And being a photographer and the whole photo session is such an intimate experience whether you're in somebody's family home for a newborn session when mom is so tired, dad is drained, you know, or you're, you're at the park and maybe dad doesn't really want to have his photo taken or three-year-old Johnny is needing a snack and kind of crabby and mom's getting a little anxious because things are not going as planned. You know, it's, um, I'm such a planner and that is, photography and um, working with clients has allowed me to work on my flexibility because, you know, I'll have sort of a shot list that I, a desired shot list that I want to, you know, take photos of with a client and that can go out the window within the first three minutes. So you have to kind of think on your feet, um, keep things moving, moving along. And also, you know, make sure the client is confident and comfortable because it is like Laura said, it's no easy task being in front of the camera and um, really giving the, the confidence to be who they are in front of the, the camera is really important. This is a, a good transition to confidence. Um, and Laura, I'll start with you again, because your background lawyers is such a traditional path. There's a lot of money in law, like everyone um, knows the, the, knows what you do and, and, and respects it in a lot of ways. How did you deal with going from that to starting your own business from like a family pressure perspective, you know, peer pressure perspective, what was your kind of your mindset going through that? Um, <clears throat> it was an interesting shift because there was part of me saying, um, I would catch myself saying I'm a photographer, but I used to be a lawyer you know, I'm a photographer, but I used to litigate, you know, um, because I felt that um, because of all the guidance I had gotten during my upbringing, that it wasn't good enough, right? Um, but now it's hilarious because my dad is like, you've built this incredible business and da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm up, you know, 5% over last year because he loves numbers. So I'm like, I had my best year last year and now I'm up 5% over last year or 50, whatever it is. And he's really proud. And I, I know it shouldn't be the most important thing, but making my dad proud is really important to me because um, he's my hero. And so to hear him be proud of what I've built and um, to be able to see. So um, now a year and a half ago, I was approached to do the um, Central Park Living magazine, which was basically what I was doing already. It just was going to be in people's mailboxes, right? I already do these family sessions. So it wasn't very different, but they were so proud when I sent the first um, issue to them. And I'm like, you know, this isn't Vogue. It's, <laughs> it's an A-run magazine, but, you know, they wanted extra copies to show their friends and because they're in retirement community now. So all they do is talk about their health and their families. So um, their failing health and their families, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it made me, um, it made me feel really proud. And so now, um, I, it usually comes up during a session, what I used to do. Cause I, I'm always interested. I end up spending a lot of time chatting with my clients in it. So I'm like, the session won't be more than an hour unless we get to chatting. And then, you know, I can't predict how long it's going to be. And that usually happens. And so I love finding out about people's paths too. And, um, people were surprised, but then like, oh yeah, your contract made me think that maybe you, <laughs> you might be a lawyer. So, um, it was a mind shift for me in 
knowing that it it's a respectable career. It, and um, I, I hear a lot of people now, especially entrepreneurs who have started a business saying, well, I have this little business or I, I have this little side thing. And I'm like, you know, if you call it your little side thing, it's never going to be big. And so I will stop somebody, right? And I will say, please don't call your business that you're pouring your heart and soul into little because you want to, I mean, it's a big thing to you, right? Yeah. So put that out in the world and it'll get even bigger and um, don't minimize the work it takes, no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you're in an MLM where they feed you all the information you need to, to put out. You're not, you know, you're not creating any real marketing materials or anything. You're just, you're selling the product, which is a hard job anyway, or you started a, you know, you created a product from scratch and you got to go to production and marketing and all that stuff. It's all work and it's all important. And um, so I had to do a mind shift from, I'm not just a photographer. I am a professional photographer. And now I get chills when I say it, where before I was like, I felt like an imposter, you know, the imposter syndrome gets all of us at some point, right? And it took me a while to call myself a professional photographer. And it doesn't just go like the first time you get paid or because you wrote a contract or because you got QuickBooks and now you have accounting software. There's no moment where you check a box and now you're a professional photographer, right? So you have to believe it and you have to feel like you've earned it. And it took me a while to do that. And um, my husband would just be like, come on, you've, you've proven, you've got all these clients you've proven and I was like okay fine you know so it just um it was a big transition from going from a label that you earn because you get a degree and you take a bar exam and you you know you get admitted to a bar and you're a JD and you're a lawyer and you get the stamp of approval from the court it doesn't happen for photography no that's so true Laura and Really, it took me a while after I started my business when I was meeting new people around the neighborhood to introduce myself and say, you know, I have a business, I'm a photographer, and it took me probably a good year or so, and then my husband and I would be out, and he would run into somebody he knew, and then he'd introduce me and talk about my business for me, and I'm like, I need to start having the confidence because this is what I do, I put a ton of work into it, I'm so passionate about it. And I need to be proud of it. So I think even just owning that label as a professional photographer just speaks volumes. And I think part of it too is that photography sort of has a little bit of a negative connotation where it's so easy for somebody to pick up a camera, charge $50 for a session and say I'm a photographer. But, um, you know, it's such a long road with education and getting you know, the legalities of the business up and going and um, having yourself covered with insurance and all of that, um, that we do need to be proud of that title because it is a big accomplishment. And, you know, I certainly didn't graduate with a, any sort of art or photography degree, but I like to think I've put in that amount of work, you know, within the past few years and everything. So um, it, it has been a little bit of a long road to gain that confidence. And, you know, social media does not help that either when you see somebody that maybe started well after you, but seemingly is doing great with their business and booking all of these clients, you know, and that took me a while to realize you never, you know, people only put out there what they want others to see. And um, if I just keep my head down and focus on my business and connect with 
the other photographers that I want to, like Laura, and I have a few other photography friends. You know, it's nice to have that community and bounce ideas off or, you know, like Laura said, sharing um, leads or clients. And um, we can control that instead of just having social media kind of control what's going on up here with our confidence. Yeah, and Molly, you touched on that. It, um, photography is a really kind of like an isolating business because when you're not in front of your client, you're behind your computer and you're by yourself, right? You're not working on a team unless you have like, you're a wedding photographer with a videography team or, or you have an editor who works in-house with you or something. But if there's not really a community unless you build it or unless you find it. And um, so I found a community online that I'm, I connect with three times a week that has really opened my eyes to a lot of um, different like people who have shot for Sports Illustrated. I mean, it's incredible to hear their stories and it's also confirming that I never wanted to do that kind of stuff just because of the stress level. I'm, I'm over that. I'm like beyond needing that notoriety. And, um, but it is so nice, you know, Molly and I will have coffee and we just talk about our kids and our business and, and what's new in the neighborhood. And, it, and it's just really nice to have somebody to sit down with who understands exactly what you're going through. Definitely. This is, this is wonderful. And I'm learning a lot from both of you. Um, one of the things that I took from that too, that I want to ask you how it played into it is with confidence, I think men in this society are often told they can do anything when they take risks, there is recognition for that and appreciation for that, where women don't get those same passes. Um, from my perspective, the, the business you are in and doing local photography is a women dominated business. So that may help with it in some degrees, but how did your confidence, was it just with success that your confidence improved and how could we change that societally? Or you, even with your own kids, like empowering women younger to, um, know they can do this kind of thing when they hit imposter syndrome and, and feel that. Um, how to overcome that? How can we do better, I guess, as a society? And how did you, how are you moving forward with that now? You know, for me, I think the biggest um, part to my confidence is my family support system. And my husband talks about my job. I mean, he, right when I started my business, he started telling people about my business and just really talking me up the way that I should have been talking myself up. So that was a good lesson. And the other thing that really helps with my confidence is um, just hearing feedback from the clients. And I love when I send a gallery over to them and they respond with just glowing words and, um, or even how they react at the session. You know, I'll hear a lot of times from moms like, oh my gosh, I haven't done this in five years and my kids are already tweens and I can't believe it. And I'm like, well, listen, you're here now. We'll capture this. It'll be great. And, you know, it just makes me proud that I am able to help them in some ways, especially moms. Laura touched on this earlier that motherhood is not easy and it's not a very rewarding job from the outside, but of course the kids bring their all, all their different levels of reward to the moms. But it's just um, one of those things that I've been trying to focus on is photographing moms a little bit more and stressing that it's really important to capture that even if you don't have little littles anymore, even if they're teenagers. Um, because you know the next day is not 
guaranteed, sadly. And, you know, do it for yourself, but also do it for your children. Your children want to see pictures of their mom and themselves together. So. Yeah. And I have, so Molly has boys. I have two girls. And so, um, it's, it's a struggle for me every day. Um, because my husband and I were, were raised by parents who, you know, they were doing their best, but we didn't always have a voice in our houses. We didn't, um, we weren't able to develop our voice, um, you know, and he's a boy. And so sometimes my husband's like, you, they shouldn't be talking back. And I'm like, they're not talking back. They're just, you know, they're just giving us their opinion. And I, I'm trying to teach them to speak up, but respectfully and um, challenge us when we, when they think they're being wronged is to be able to speak up and, and speak their truth, even though it might not change our minds, we wanna hear what they have to say, which is not always easy. It's kind of exhausting, um, especially with my older daughter who has something to say about every single thing. She's very much like me. Um, but, um, you know, I, I was born in 1980 and um, this whole woman's movement is still happening, right? So when I was a lawyer or when I actually, when I was a pharmaceutical rep, I was a 22 year old college graduate who had went through eight weeks of training about these medical conditions and the drugs. And I'm going to talk to doctors who are my parents. I, I, I worked in my hometown. So I called on my parents internist who had been practicing for longer than I'd been alive. And I'm in there trying to tell him how to treat his patients when I just went to eight weeks of training, right? So to have that, that was a hard thing to be confident about. But, you know, as you practice, you get better, right? And then as a lawyer, I would walk in the room and people would say, oh, the court reporter's here. Or, you know, the judge, I was in Florida. So sometimes in Central Florida, the judge would be like, okay, sweetie, or okay, honey. And I... I, I was young and I looked young and I have a young voice, but I didn't get offended by that because I didn't know that that was something I could be offended about. I was just, you know, oh, he thinks I'm cute, right? Now, looking back, I'm horrified. I did get annoyed when the attorneys would call me the court reporter though. Um, and I just was a little bit extra whenever I was deposing their client <laughs> as payback. But um so I don't want my girls to ever feel like they're starting a couple of steps down, even if people make them feel that way. I want them to understand that no matter what other people say, that they are if as good, if not better, and they are equal, you know, they're, they're equal no matter their gender, no matter how they identify racially or ethnically, um, because, and Molly and I both have children who are not, not white, right? So, um, so our kids have these layers of obstacles and, and who knows how large of obstacles they'll be um, as time goes on. But, um, you know, when my kids walk in the room, they're always going to be seen as women, right? As long as they identify as women, they're going to be seen as women. And until that viewpoint changes about what we're capable of, um, they need to, they need to make the change and be the change. And that's not an easy job. And so I'm trying to empower them um, to do that respectfully, because I think change needs to be made in that way. Um, especially if you're a woman, because you have to be heard before you can make the change. And if you're not, 
if people don't feel like they're being respected with how you're speaking, they're not going to listen. And so even though it's hard sometimes and you're not being treated respectfully um, to, to, to take the higher road. And so it's a process. My kids are eight and five. So we have lots of years to practice this, but um, it makes parenting all that much more challenging because I'm explaining a lot more. Um, but I think it's worth it in the long run to, to develop those skills in them, to stand up for themselves and to know when people are telling them lies about reality to just get their way. Okay, so then that leads me to my next thought is one of the questions I wanted to ask you kind of the pros and cons of getting into your own business, which you've talked about a lot of them. Um, Molly, for you, this is a job where it's your life, you are doing it, you're a solopreneur, you're doing it all by yourself, you're doing a bazillion things. Um, and one of the, the problems I think with this job is you can do them at any time virtually, the editing part, all of that stuff. So with that, especially with very motivated, hardworking people, you will do it all the time. So how have you progressed throughout your career um, when your kids, with your kids as well? How do you maintain a balance between your family life and your work? Um, and what kind of systems kind of do you do and um, to, to make sure you're in the moment as a mother, like you talked about previously? That, excuse me. That's a great question. I have learned a lot over the years of um, the importance of having some me time, time away from the office time to do my own thing that I'm outside of the house and not working. Um, and honestly, my husband's been such a support system from day one. A lot of times the family sessions are held on the weekends. And so he's got dinner covered with, you know, the boys and getting dinner ready. And um, just those little um, ways, acts of service that show me that my family is really supportive of me. Now, um, on the other hand, it's a nonstop business, you know, where I want to respond to an email right away, because then I think if I don't within the first five minutes, they won't hire me. But I've just been able to learn, you know, if somebody is just looking for the quickest response, maybe I'm not the best fit for them. In fact, I started putting a little line on the bottom of my email that it can take up to 48 hours for me to respond to an email. And that's how it goes. I'm not tied to my email and clients have other ways to get in touch with me. They'll reach out via Facebook or texting me or whatever. Um, but I think for me, just sort of setting that expectation that when I'm behind my computer, a lot of times I'm just editing and I kind of have to be in a zone to get through it. And that doesn't mean checking every ping, every email that comes in. Um, so that's been really important. And also just um, setting some boundaries too around my family time. So when I was first starting, I would kind of say yes to anybody that would hire me. Um, whether or not we were a good fit person, personality-wise or, um, you know, I've never done weddings. That's kind of the one thing that I've never uh, touched. But, um, you know, I would, you know, drive an hour away to meet a family in a park that I've never been to before at maybe a time that wasn't the best for me, my family, or for just the general lighting. Um, you know, and the more I get comfortable and confident in my business, you know, I'll say, you know, these are the hours that I'm working. These are the weekend days that I'm working. Um, I've also, you know, set boundaries about how far away I'll travel and 
what parks I'll photograph at because I know how those will turn out more so than just showing up to a park in Littleton that's close to their home. So, um, you know, and I thought that was just, um, you know, telling families kind of the handful of parks where I work out at. At first I was like, oh, this might seem a little inflexible of me. But as it turns out, they appreciate the guidance. They want to hear my favorite locations and they, you know, I, you know, time it perfectly, hopefully with um, the sunset or kind of the sunrise, depending on the time, the session that they sign up for. And they like that. They like that I'm kind of in control of it because that's what I know. And that's, you know, why I produce the work that I do, because I have control over the timing, the location, um, and that, so. Laura, what about you? How do you do family work balance, and how are you still working on that? Yeah, every day I'm working on it. <laughs> you know, um, when I first moved here, I had been in business in New York City for just about a year a little over a year and I was getting really busy. I remember when I first launched my business, I was like, if I could just do one session a week, I'll be happy. And then I was like, oh, my, I, my husband, you know, he's like, yeah, you could do that. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get four sessions a month, right? My goals were really low. Now, and then I got here and I was like, I need to get my name out there. I need to get my business going. And I was so busy that I was a ball of stress because I didn't, like Molly, I didn't want to turn anyone away. And when you come into a new market, it's hard because New York City pricing and New York City people are much different than Denver people. Pricing, not so much because Denver's not an inexpensive place to live. Um, but I was pricing my stuff based on like what I saw other photographers were charging. You know, what was the going rate? And I realized that's a bunch of BS because I need to find out what my going rate is, what my time is worth. And so I just did a little formula of how much money do I need to make per hour to be away from my family, to make this worth it, to leave my family behind and miss those moments with my kids. And so some people think I'm out of their budget and that's okay with me because um, I look at photography photography is kind of like a luxury good and because there's all levels of price points for photographers right so if people really just want photos they can go to JCPenney or they can get a photographer who's just starting but if they want to invest in somebody who really takes the time and you know goes the extra mile and does editing on every single picture like my what the product I offer then they need to understand that there's a value to that and um, I was nervous to raise my prices, but I've done it every year because my goal was like, how many sessions can I book? How many people can I reach? And over the past two years, my goal is how can I provide a really great service for my clients and not burn myself out? And the fall is where I feel it because people aren't on the ball, especially with COVID that was made things really interesting, but people aren't really on the ball to do the spring sessions. You kind of, you'll notice photographers will market more for the spring. Cause it's like, Hey people, remember you want to get these photos and you might not be able to book me in the fall. And then July comes and I tell my clients book, start booking me in July because I'm going to fill up because there's only a couple of months and the weather starts to get wonky and 
Colorado is kind of unpredictable. And so we only have so much time and I'm not the kind of photographer who's going to cram two families in one night because I just don't think that's fair. So I raised my prices to compensate me for the time I invest in building up to the session, site visits, the actual session, and then editing afterwards. And when it all comes down, how much do I make per hour and is it worth it? And so, like I said, some people might think that's too much and that's okay. I'd rather not work than work for less than what I feel I my value is because it's not worth it to be away from my little kids to just give stuff away for free. And I wish more photographers had that mindset because um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of unseen work. Um, so for my time, I've, I've kind of reduced my amount of clients, but also tried to maintain my income by doing the pricing that way. Um, I often a, a night or two a week, my husband is in sales, so he's out after work. So I'm often putting the kids to bed and then at 8.30 or nine, I'm coming into my office and I'm editing for two hours. Um, and with, they've been on two different school schedules. They're, they go to two different school districts. So we've had two different calendars and there's COVID and there's sicknesses. And, you know, um, so it's, it's a lot to juggle trying to schedule in time to do the back end work and front end work. Um, and then the sessions themselves. So um, I, like Molly, am more discerning in who I take as clients. Um, if I feel any gut feeling that this is going to be a problematic client or they're asking me for all these extra things that aren't willing to budget for them. Um, I feel that I'm going to be undervalued or I'm going to resent, resent them for any reason because there are clients who are a little bit prickly and, you know, I run my own business. I don't have to take, I don't have to take the clients I don't want now. And um, I'm happy to say there aren't many of those but those are the people who I'll, I will actually just say, I don't think I'm the right photographer for you. Let me give you some other names. And if they're really prickly, I don't send them to you. <laughs> I promise I won't send them to you. Um, yeah. So, and then um, other than that, I was like having a lot of chronic pain because the, you know, I bought a standing desk. So I have a desk that now I'm trying to be more kind to my body. Right. I'm going to chiropractor and acupuncture and PT and, and um, because this is the, I mean, I, when I do a family session, I'm wearing a, a leather harness with two cameras, one with a lens that's probably nine inches long and heavy. And, um, and it, it's, it's an hour long. And sometimes I do events like corporate events and things. And that's a lot of weight on your body. And if I'm doing kids, I'm on the ground, laying in the grass and, you know, climbing up on a stool to take pictures overhead. And so it's, it's, it's a physical job. So it's really important that we um, take time out to take care of ourselves, which isn't easy when you're a mom, but we have to do it. So um, carving out time, like Molly said, for me is something that I've really focused on over the past year, especially after COVID, because we all needed to be kind to ourselves because that was such a hard unprecedented thing to go through mentally and physically and just emotionally. And so um, I realized my client tally at the end of the year, my session tally might be lower, but because I've accommodated for that in my pricing, I, I should be able to reach my financial goals of running my business and um, um, 
and still be happy and still really love what I'm doing. Because the moment I don't love what I'm doing anymore, I'm not going to do it anymore. And that'll break my heart because I love it so much. So um, just not being busy for busy sake has been a hard lesson for me to, to not to learn because I've learned it. It just to fix it was a hard decision, but I, I feel great about it. Exactly. Because it's so much more fulfilling. If you go to a session, you get along great with the clients. It's just sets, sets it up to be such a wonderful session. And it's so fulfilling to get in the car after the session and be like, wow, I really provided such a great service for them. I know they're going to appreciate it and love the images. And, you know, back when I was first starting, it definitely wasn't like that. I would you know, say yes to anything and, um, you know, get in the car in the middle of the day when it's not great <laughs> to have a photo session in the middle of the day and miss out on family time and all of that. Um, and one thing, just like a little note on self-care too, is that I finally learned, um, Laura mentioned that fall is really busy for us. Um, and so now I'm able to kind of plan out some massages in between the busy fall sessions. And that's actually been really helpful because it's so stressful on our bodies, upper backs and shoulders and arms. And, you know, I used to think that was such a luxury, but it's really kind of an essential for me to do to kind of keep my body in shape because it's a very physical profession. And the other thing too that I noticed is um, when we're interacting with clients so much, it's, and I love meeting new people and I love seeing repeat clients and hearing what everybody's up to, but um, it's socially draining. And so a lot of times after my session, if it's been a little bit of a longer session, I'll need just kind of like quiet time, alone time, just sit in the corner and read for a little bit to kind of recharge that aspect of you know, that's just kind of my personality. I love being social, but I also love the downtime too afterwards. Yeah. And one other thing I, I, um, cause photography was taking up so much of my free time, which that doesn't really exist. Who so are we kidding? Um, that I wasn't reading as much, you know, I wasn't, um, being creative. My house was becoming a mess because, folding laundry was just too much for me after momming and editing and connecting with and doing my books and all this stuff. Um, and so I also in my easing on my schedule with clients, I started painting again. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, Oh, I don't have enough time to paint. Now I want to paint more, you know? And, um, so it's, it's a struggle because when you pick up the thing that you used to do that you really love, but you don't really have a ton of time for it, you kind of long for more time to do that. And so now I'm, um, you know, there's a weekly conversation I have with myself about, should I just take a couple of months off from my business? Which we are, we're going to, you know, Florida for an extended time. So we're, we're doing a lot of family time stuff. Um, but it's, it's all a trade-off. When you are an entrepreneur in any respect, whether you run a franchise or you're a nanny, whatever you're doing as your job, when you are your boss, sometimes you're not a good boss. Sometimes you let yourself work too hard and you, you're too hard on yourself. And um, it's, it's a very fine balance and it's an art. It's an art to be fulfilled, but not drained and um, 
to give it your all, but not leave nothing left for the other things you enjoy in life. And so, um, I mean, Molly, you've done it for so long. I think you probably have it down to a science now. And as your boys are getting older and more self-sufficient, it's probably easier to find a little bit of balance. And so I'm, I'm every day trying not to wish away the time because your kids are only small for a while, but also just really finding balance. And if anybody ever finds the secret to that, they're going to be billionaire because yep. I don't know that anybody has found that balance. Um, like I look at Brene Brown and, you know, all these people who write these self-help books, you know, they struggle with the same things we struggle with and that's why they wrote these books. And, and so it just, um, it feels like we're all in the same boat and um, hopefully COVID has, has reset people and kind of helped us figure out what's important and what's not. Cause like you said, Molly, even if, you know, for photo sake or for our family's sake, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so, um, trying to remember that and trying to like live for the day and and not wish the time away is is a struggle yeah and I think Laura and I probably share this same philosophy that we want to provide the clients such a great experience um, and there's a lot of work that goes into that so that means kind of doing it all and marketing and website stuff and all of that. And that's the biggest struggle for me is that I want to have control over, over every single thing. And I think Laura, you said you started outsourcing bookkeeping and I started outsourcing a little bit of website stuff, which has been helpful to sort of get that stressor off my plate because I'm not super tech savvy. So that's been wonderful. And, um, you know, I think just finding little things that you can kind of let go and pass on to another professional is well worth it because I run a pretty lean business. I, and not just for control reasons, but um, you know, I want to kind of do it on my time and how I want to do it. But if you pass off one or two things that somebody who's an expert can help out with, that helps greatly for sure. Okay, we're coming to the end of our time. So I want to kind of the final thing I would love for you to talk about. One of the things that I um, always see with, especially with young people, but I think it's with everyone is you treat yourself tougher than you treat other people that you love. So your kids, mentees, whatever it would be. Um, mental health is a huge factor and in all of this. And as I learned from more women, um, it seems to be even magnified um, because of all the stressors that you all have to deal with in society and in life in all areas. Um, how do you take care of your mental health? You've, you've talked about some of the things. Um, and, and if you were advising yourself, what would you, what would you do better in that? And for like, what would you advise for your kids? For example, how, how can it be, it can't be perfect, but how can it be better with mental health? Yeah, I think the hardest part for me in this journey and running my own business is, um, you know, not every client is a perfect fit. And criticism is a really hard thing to receive for me. I um, want everybody to love my work. I want everybody to love me. And that's just not realistic. So um, I take every even little negative feedback very, very personally. But I finally learned to kind of um, let that go and learn from it. You know, maybe they the newborn family didn't like that I didn't um, put their baby in a basket, but I also, uh, none, none of those images would be on my website because I don't do that. So maybe it was because I didn't educate them a little bit about 
how I run my sessions. So I try and take that feedback, good or bad, and turn it into a learning experience. But it's still hard. I mean, it's hard to, you know, like I said, see other um, photographers, whether they're winning awards or getting jobs or whatever. And, um, you know, just know not everybody's a good fit for me and vice versa. And um, just try and roll those into learning experiences. I um, have started talking to my kids about when I'm feeling the feelings, right? Because as a mom, I try to hold it all together all the time. And that's providing a false narrative to my girls. Um, so when I yell at them and I finally get my head right, I'll go to them and I'll say, you know, I'm just really having a hard day today. I've got a lot going on. You're not listening. That's being really, that's really frustrating to me. Um, and I didn't control my emotions just now and I shouldn't have yelled and I'm sorry I did that. And can I have a do-over? That's what we've been doing in our house is do-overs. Our, um, a, a therapist friend of mine recommended that because it shows that it's okay to make a mistake. You can always atone for your sins, right? You can always say, Hey, I really was terrible just now. And I'll say that to my husband too, because sometimes I'll say something with a tone of voice he's like well that was snarky and I think in my head I'm feeling snarky because I have the mental load of a mom uh, the mental load of a woman in a relationship is higher and I will not take no for an answer on this is higher than a man's mental load right my husband doesn't necessarily know the name of my kid's dentist. Um, he doesn't know when they had their vaccines. There's all these little things that moms keep in their brain. And then like, oh, we're running low on Cheerios. I need to remember to add that to the shopping list. And when am I going to go to Trader Joe's? And then I have to go to Sprouts and then Costco needs to. And when is my Amazon order arriving? And are we going to have enough toilet paper and all this stuff, right? My husband, none of that ever enters his brain. He's like, oh, thanks for buying me hair gel, right? And I'm happy to do that. But that doesn't mean it doesn't weigh on my mental health, right? So if I have this load that he doesn't know about or my kids don't know about, and then I talk to them in a snarky way, I can't assume that they understand what's going on in my head. And I don't want to whine and complain about it, but I will just say, oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't my intent. I'm not upset with you. I just have, and I have ADHD and I'm medicated for it. Um, I also have anxiety and that's controlled just with mental, you know, like um, just mental wellness and um, so that's another thing. And I'm very critical of myself and I'm a perfectionist and I, you know, all these things are layered on top of people see me as a successful female business owner, a good mom, I go to church, I volunteer. People see these things, right? But they don't know all the stuff that goes into it. And I think that's true of everybody to some degree, right? Um, and so I think just owning up for when you're feeling yucky is just saying, I just feel terrible. I don't want to talk right now. I just need some time is a hard thing to ask for, but you got to do it, right? Or when you're not wrong and, you know, instead of just rolling over and say, oh yeah, you're right, I'm, I shouldn't have said that. Now I say, no, you know, that's, it's, I'm not going to take on that extra burden of knowing that I was not wrong to begin with, but I'm just going to suck it up and because that's what you guys expect women to do. So it, there's a lot of personal growth that has happened to give me a voice and to use my voice in a way that's not detrimental to other people's mental health. 
um, to really try to lift people up. Um, my mantra is to live with kindness because it's not always easy, but when it comes back to you, it feels really good. And, um, and it helps my mental health to be kind. Like it just feels good to put light into the world because there's so much darkness in the world. And um, I'm not always successful at that, but that's how I live every day is just trying to be the best version of myself I can be. And when I'm not to try to figure out why I'm not and apologize if I've upset somebody. And, um, and that goes in my business too. You know, I, um, I have been very lucky to have um, not had many difficult clients. Um, and with my law background, I make sure I, I paper the deal. Everybody says paper the deal. Um, I, I put everything in writing. I make sure expectations, I try my best to make sure expectations are very clear. Um, I have a clause in my contract that says I'm not in control of your children or their attitudes or their willingness to participate. And so you get what you get on the day you come, right? But then I also counsel the parents. I say, don't put too much pressure on your kids. This is supposed to be fun. And if you're like, if you don't listen, or if you, if I have to talk to you, blah, 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 blah. When I see a parent pull a kid away from the session, I'm like, oh gosh, this is not going to go well, right? So I tell the parents, like, I'm going to let them break rules. I'm going to let them be silly. I'm going to make fart sounds and they're going to laugh and you're going to get the most incredible picture. So don't kill it. Don't kill the mood, parents. You always ruin it, right? Because you want everything to be perfect, right? And so um, I just think levity and, um, and um, giving people grace and giving myself grace is really helped with mental health and seeing a therapist when you need one, right? Mm -hmm. it, there's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist. They are there for a reason. Um, it's expensive sometimes, but when you're in a crisis mode and crisis means something different to every single person, um, it could be, you know, you, your personal care is going, it's the first thing to go, I think, right? Working out, sleeping well, all those things. And you don't realize it until you're too far gone and then you're, everything else is kind of spiraling. So to be able to acknowledge that and then to go get help for it, whether it's going to get an acupuncture treatment or going to a therapist to talk things out or changing or getting on medication or changing your medication or whatever it is, uh, there should be no shame associated with that. And our society needs to change and it is changing, but um, grandparents have big ideas about mental health and mental health is health, right? And um, I think it's the most important part because your mental health can negatively impact your physical health. And so I think taking the stigma out of that is really important. And personally taking the stigma out of it for myself was a big hurdle to jump over. And um, I'm so happy that I had people supporting me and pushing me in that direction. And so um, my advice is to anybody, like there's somebody out there to help you with whatever you need help with and you just have to have the courage to ask for it. That is wonderful. Okay, thank you both so much. Um, even just this session for me has made me think even more about the power and the importance of photographs. Um, and you're so right, the work we're doing with Mama Bird is tomorrow is not promised. And so documenting in, in multiple different ways for me. And so much I think of what you also do is the work that we do too, is you're getting people to do something that's good for themselves. And so being the impetus to have this because of your talent level and to capture these amazing moments, I think is, is so important. So thank you for what you do. And thank you for being here with me and, and talking about this. I appreciate that. And can I say one thing before we go? Yeah. Everybody back up your photos to the cloud because 
with the fires they have in Superior, what's the first thing people want to grab when they leave the house, right? The family photos they grab. And when they lose those, people are just in your phone, like the photos stored on your phone aren't safe. Back up your photos and back up your mama bird videos when you pay for them. Yeah, now we need someone to explain how to do that. Okay, the right. next one. <laughs> All right, I'm stop recording now. <laughs>